You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you guys. Uh, thank you so much for having Marina and I up here with you guys. Oh, yeah, speaking to the mic. Uh, it's great to be with you guys this morning. Um, grateful to be with you. Man, pan dulce at the door. That is awesome. I hope, I mean, I'm probably going to be using this for my communion bread. I hope you don't judge me. Um, you know, you got to do what you got to do over here, you know. Um, man, we, Marina and I are so grateful to be here with you. Uh, you know, we spent many years here in uh, the West the West L.A. area. Um, I'm a, I graduated from UCLA, so go Bruins! And um, we led the team ministry here for many, many years, and um, a lot of, actually, some of the college students and maybe even some of the younger singles here, uh, you're, actually, we had your older siblings were in our team ministry. So we've seen you guys since, some of you guys since you were in the preteens or younger, so it makes us feel old kind of coming back here sometimes uh, and seeing different families, but we love, a very genuinely love the West Side Church. This is, I moved out here when I was 18 years old from South Florida, and this became home for me. Uh, built family here. Uh, Marina moved up here uh, when we were dating uh, from Orange County. We got married up here. We had our first two children right down the street here at, um, oh my gosh, St. John's in Santa Monica. And um, God had really, really taught us so many things here on the West Side. And then when we moved to Long Beach to leave the church there, uh, we just felt like, man, we brought so much. So much was poured into us here that we didn't even know. And then we went to Long Beach. We were able to really give uh, to so many of the disciples there and, and encourage uh, the church there. And we love Long Beach. We've been there now for eight years. And now that's God's kind of given us a home there. Uh, we actually had two more kids there, so now we're full house. And um, I don't know if there are any parents out here, but this time of year right now uh, with school, uh, in our case, I mean, all school is virtual right now. So we got all the kids in the house. We had to create little workstations for them and stuff like that. It's kind of crazy. Are we living in a crazy time right now or what? Um, but I want So I want to talk about that a little bit today and just provide some... some uh, some principles, a couple of scriptures to encourage your faith. My hope is today that you leave here encouraged in your faith. It's great to see Nathan leading songs out here. Nathan Morales and I went to UCLA together, and we're in the team ministry together, and uh, we're in each other's weddings and everything. So uh, it's great to see, we'll call him Nate Dog. Great to see Nate Dog. Um, let's turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. It is cool that you guys are celebrating or honoring, acknowledging uh, Hispanic Heritage Month. And I think that's really, really awesome. Um, my parents, my, my, I'm half, I'm Puerto Rican and Mexican. Uh, my wife is Mexican American, and um, in fact, man, my wife's my wife's family is actually pretty amazing. Her her dad is uh, one of 13, 13 kids, uh, all of whom moved here from Mexico all of whom went have gone to college and were the first ones in their he, he was the first one in his family to go to college and finish college and they produced doctors and i mean the, the, it's incredible the story i'm sure she might share a little bit about it but 
um, you know, this country provides great uh, opportunities, right? And uh, I am grateful for those opportunities. Um, and I think, you know, I, what I, and I love the fact that as a, as a church, we want to be a multicultural, diverse church. And I think it's important, though, to continue going back to God's word, that God's word provides the direction, the guidance, uh, the, the, the perspective that we need. Amen. Um, okay. So here's the deal. I, Marina and I have been super nervous driving up here because we're like, we have not been to church with real people in a long time. And I have not preached to a live audience in a long time. So can I just for a moment get a few amens and come ons and all that kind of stuff? Because I'm like, this is real. Like I got people at, you know, I'm so, we've been, the past few months, we've been so used to doing everything on camera and pre-recorded sermons and stuff. And I'm like, this is real. There are real people looking at me. I don't know what to do. <laughs> you know, so I'm a little, uh, I might be all over the place in my brain right now, but, uh, just bear with me and walk with me here. Ride the wave with me. Let's, let's get some amens. Let's get some come ons and preach it's and all that kind of stuff. If you want to do some Spanish ones and predicalos and I mean, that's fine with me. I don't care. Uh, but let's, uh, yeah, I just, wow, this is awesome that you guys are doing this and it's great, great to be here. I want to talk about something that's on my heart this morning, uh, and it may not have anything to do with Hispanic Heritage Month, so <laughs> bear with me. I, um, in the past few months uh, that we've been enduring and going through everything that we've been going through here as a people in our society, I have seen so much how ingrained uh, fear and control are in our lives. I've seen it in my own life. How much fear and control and things I want to control are such an essential part of my life. Um, and, and and with this processing, as I'm watching, as you watch everything happening and unfolding, and as you uh, consider um, just the, all the different conversations. And the health issues and everything that we're seeing and, and going through, it has revealed to me so much that the most, some of the most fearful people are actually Jesus followers, Christians. And it has blown my mind that this has come out in my life, but also so much in the church. And I want to speak to this a little bit this morning. Uh, and I want to share a couple of scriptures that have helped me navigate. Re- I'm talking about even recently some 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 things in my in my own life that I have. It's not like we're enduring persecution or anything like that. It's not that. It's just there's so much unknown and uncertainty that it fuels fear. You guys follow me on this? Matthew chapter eight verse twenty three. There's this incredible interaction that Jesus has that kind of sets the framework for what I want to talk about today. Matthew 8, verse 23 says, Then Jesus got into a boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up in the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And I love this this, this scene, there's a furious storm, winds and waves, and Jesus is taking a nap. You've got to love this about Jesus. 
Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine. The man liked to party. Jesus, in the middle of the storm, is taking a nap. He took naps. I feel like that's permission enough for me to enjoy a good party and take naps. Amen? The guys, the guys did not know what to do. In their small attempt of faith, they figured maybe Jesus could do something. They've just seen him do a bunch of miracles and challenge the religious and social establishment of that day. And so they just assume, well, maybe Jesus could do something. And so they wake him up. And Jesus says in verse 26, he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? And then he got up, rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. And the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? That even the winds and the waves obey him. Jesus, always knowing the condition of a person's heart, goes straight to the main issue. He was not concerned about their physical safety or their physical health. He was concerned about their faith. And he looks at them as they're tossing and turning in the waves and the boat is going crazy. And his first reaction is to ask Why are you so afraid? Why is this freaking you out? You've seen the miracles. You've heard the teaching. You've seen my life. You know where I come from and who has sent me. Why are you so afraid? Stop having such small faith. In the middle of a furious storm, Jesus doesn't concern himself with their physical safety. He's more concerned about their faith. He knows that if you follow him, The end result of following him is that you will have a faith that overwhelms your fear. The goal of following Jesus is not becoming a better person or going to heaven, although those are great and true. The the goal, the end game of following Jesus is that in the middle of the most furious storms in our lives, we can have a faith that overwhelms our fear. Amen, church? The thing with us is that we think that life will be fine if we follow Jesus, and then we get surprised and shocked when difficulty comes our way as a follower. We blame God for the suffering we're experiencing or what the world is experiencing. We figure we have a better plan than what God provides in his word, and so we prioritize other things. And then we get confused why things don't turn out the way we expected them to be. And and then Jesus says to us, why are you so afraid? Our lives are run by fear. We're afraid that we might miss out on something. We're afraid that God may not meet our heart's desires. We're afraid that our kids might miss out on an opportunity. We're afraid that we might not have enough. We worry. We get stressed. We have anxiety issues, panic attacks, nervous breakdowns. I'm worried that my kid, my first grader, is not going to learn how to read because he's not in class, you know. He's doing everything through the screen. Like, we get worried about all these things. And Jesus says, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? The guys heard this in the boat, and they saw what happened to the storm, and they were amazed. Who is this man? He's not just a great teacher or a knowledgeable storyteller. There's something different about this man a couple verses i want to share with you today kind of help have helped me to kind of get my bearings if you will in the middle of some of the storms that we're experiencing today let's turn our bibles 
to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Let me get some commands and preach-its here. John, wow, okay, all right, all right. Wow, live, live, live services, this is crazy. John 15, verse 4. The apostle says here, John 15, verse 4, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Now I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, another translation of this that is a little bit closer to the original Greek is instead of remain in me, the word that's used there is abide in me. And I love that word, uh, to abide in Christ. In fact, uh, there's an app. I don't know if you guys have seen it. There's an app called Abide. And you can, you know, it has like meditation and like different things and voices talking like this. And, you know, it's just and I actually, you know, we love it. It has helped to calm us down in many ways. Uh, just having something to help us kind of, OK, we're going to abide or to remind us abiding in Christ. Now, what I love are some principles here that Jesus is saying in this in this in these two statements. Um. He talks about this idea of being fruitful, but you don't bear fruit. There's a thing here we've got to consider. You don't bear fruit in order to stay in the vine. You remain in the vine, and you will bear fruit. Your condition of fruitfulness is not dependent on the act of bearing fruit, but more so in the act of remaining and abiding in the vine. And this is a big idea that I think... For me, as somebody who has been a church person for a long time, especially in our church culture and our church uh, expression, we are very into action and impact and how many people and how many gatherings and how many churches and how many, you know, we're, and I'm as an evangelist, even more so in that way, kind of setting my my value, my worth in the health or growth or movement of the branches, the church. You guys follow me on this? And recently, you know, it's interesting to me. I've preached this 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 verse so many times, and it's just amazing what God does to kind of peel back the layers of my heart to get me to understand what He's really trying. To get me to do and to be. And that is to remain in him, to abide in him. That he, he says, he's, he's, I am the vine. You're just the branches. Abide in me, not in the branches. But what happens is that too many times we strive to remain in the branches instead of in Christ. Our eyes and focus and our joy are determined more by the condition of the branches and our attachment to the branches, and we wonder why we're not joyful. Again, I love the church, but many times we have, I have put, allowed the, the, the condition, if you will, of the branches to dictate my level of joy and depth and faith. And it's almost like my faith or worth or value has been more in how Christians act in the church rather than in Christ himself. You guys ever felt this way or uh, have experienced this? I, and I've been a Christian for 25 years. You know what I'm saying? Like I've been 
part of this church for many but but recently i've seen how christians act towards each other when in the middle of the waves in the middle of the storm and it has it it has been discouraging at times uh it has been encouraging at times it has also been discouraging at times what how easy it is for the christian to get embroiled in, in in the the condition of the world and that the condition of the world and the spectrum that we're experiencing of different emotions can can actually be the source that determines our joy and our love our faith and not the vine and it's and it's amazing to me how I've I've been somebody who's like, oh, that's never that's not going to happen to me. Oh, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. But I've realized how that's affected even my own connection with God. You guys follow me on this? And then I give into my own fears, fear, fear of rejection, fear of not being uh, liked, fear of, um, you know, the future. What's going to happen? Fear of. Uh, you, uh, the economic upheaval in our country, you know, all these fears. And I st- then I start getting inundated by these things instead of abiding in the vine. I love this quote uh, by Philip Yancey. He's a uh, Christian author and he wrote uh, a bunch of books. And one of them is uh, called Vanishing Grace. And he says this about the church. He says, the church is, above all, a place to receive grace. It brings forgiven people together with the aim of equipping us to dispense grace to others. I love that idea and that quote, that, that the church, that we are to be grace dispensers, that the, that the world, what the world needs most is grace. And who better to show God's grace than followers of Jesus Christ? It's what our world needs today, more grace unmerited favor and yet here we are and many times and i see this on social media pointing fingers blaming each other cynically talking to one another instead of dispensing grace not even to one another but to our community james 1 verse 2 i believe that when we're abiding in the vine then we can be what james james talks about in james 1 verse 2 where he says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Again, in another translation that's a little bit closer to the Greek, this perseverance is actually the word steadfastness, to stand fast, to stand firm, to not let things move you. And and the idea here that James is displaying and bringing to us is, you, you, as a disciple, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, can go through trials of many kinds and still have joy. And joy is not this happiness that's like, ah, well, yeah, party happiness. It's not that. Joy is a genuine, serene peace that no matter what's happening, you can be taking a nap. It's not ignorance. It's not avoidance. It's just my faith is in the vine. 
And I'm, so sta- I'm standing fast in the vine so strongly that no matter what's happening around me, the circumstances around me will not dictate my level of joy. Because my level of joy will be dictated and determined by my abiding in Christ. In a year where joy may be difficult to connect with, God provides us with incredible direction and guidance and evidence that we can have joy and peace in the middle of uncertainty. That our circumstances or relationships or conflict will not dictate the level of our faith and joy because these are rooted in God through Christ. Amen. Marina's going to come up and share a little bit here at this time. I'm going to have a snack here while Marina shares. Well, it is so good to be with you guys this morning. And like Ruben was saying, Westside Church just holds a special place in our heart. Um, We, you know, driving here, we always feel nostalgic about our time here and, um, you know, how we dated here. We got married here. We had our first two kids here. And we led the teen ministry here for many years. And I think for me personally, it was this just reminds me of God's calling because initially I didn't want to be in the ministry. But I fell in love so much with the teen ministry and studying the Bible with the teen girls and being with the kids as crazy as they were. Right, Kenny? (laughs) Um, He knows. He knows. Um, No, we love Kenny. Um, But God used that to calm my heart and soften my heart, and I felt like it was a true calling. So, so grateful to be here this morning. And as Reuben was sharing, we, you know, we have four kids, so this has been... They're great kids. They're amazing kids. God has blessed us with some amazing kids, and they're doing great. Um, I don't know if any of you follow me on Instagram, but I'm trying to put out positive things about my kids and not make it all the, like, oh, my gosh, like, I can't believe we're doing this. I'm trying to be positive and put it out there. And But they are doing good, and the, the first grader, he's going to, you know, he's going to read someday, right? So it, it'll work out. Um, but like he was like he was sharing, uh, my father is one of 13 who uh, came to this country and through affirmative action went to college and uh, became a mental health counselor. And he just retired. My mother, on my mother's side, they're Native American, and my grandfather marched and worked with Cesar Chavez and fought for labor rights and fought for the labor unions. And um, so there's just a lot for me growing up, a lot of pride, a lot of brown pride. And honestly, it wasn't until I started growing up and realizing, hey, not everybody thinks we're awesome as I think we're awesome. And I was very grateful at the age of 19 uh, to become a Christian. And uh, I love Psalm 146 where it says, do not put your trust in princes and mortal men who cannot save because when they die, their plans Um, come to nothing. And that is just a reminder to me of how my faith in God is the only thing, the only thing in this life that can fulfill me. Nothing else can fulfill me the way that God can. I wanted to share with you a scripture in Philippians that's been sort of my mantra, my uh, meditation, just something that I keep going back to. And this is something that you guys have all read before. Um, And it says in uh, chapter 4, verse 10 in Philippians, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. 
Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. And how true has this been for this year? You know, we keep talking about just how unprecedented these times are, how crazy these times are. And I was getting to the point where I was like, I, I'm so sick of the hashtag 2020 what's next. Cause I'm like, stop saying that because things keep happening and things keep unfolding. Um, and then it continues in verse 12. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Amen. Um, it's such a powerful scripture, and at times it's, it feels like unreachable, unattainable. To think about Paul, to think about all he went through, and then think of, you know, self-reflect and think of my circumstances. I've never been in jail I've never been persecuted the way he was, wasn't stranded on an island. You know, like I go through all of these things of comparing myself and like what, why am I complaining? But the truth is, I think, especially in this year, we've all gone through stuff. And it's not just this year, in our lives, we've all gone through some sort of trauma. And I think being in this pandemic and quarantine has highlighted a lot of the issues for me personally but if you think about it just for the world in general things that have been going on for years and years um it's just highlighting them and um, bringing them to the surface and um, i keep looking for positive things you know calling them covid positives you know this is a covid positive right like being able to meet outside in the fresh air, this is a, you know, just finding ways to be positive. But, you know, I say all that to say, like, I just, you know, when I think about, um, again, this year, and I think of the things that I've been through and the ways that God is just bringing them to the surface, it's an opportunity for me to deal with those things and to grow from them. But I think what Reuben was saying was so true that it can only be done by remaining in him. And that's the thing that Ruben and I, it's a COVID positive for us this year, is we realized we haven't really been with God. Um, We haven't really been abiding in him. We've been working and moving and pushing through and pushing forward. But this has allowed us the opportunity to stop and really think, are we with God? Are we remaining in God, and I love just Paul's, you know, conviction and his steadfastness and his security. Um, you know, he's encouraged that the church has renewed their concern for him, but he's like, you know, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. So he's grateful for it, but he's going to be okay without it because he's rooted in God and he's rooted in his faith and that's the secret for him of being content is um just abiding abiding daily so thank you so much for letting me share would love you guys so much i like that lady she's awesome that has been a scripture that we've been really uh 
convicted by this year. Uh, Paul, as one, again, who pushed through and, you know, when you read 1 Corinthians, uh, I believe it's 1 Corinthians 11, uh, or 2 Corinthians 11, he talks about all the different things he's gone through. And at the end of it, he's like, and still I have my concern for all the churches. Who's weak and I don't feel weak? And you kind of see what Paul endures and goes through. And he's a man of wanting to have impact and wanting the church to move forward and wanting the church to, to, to have, a, have a great impact in the world. And yet in Philippians 3, he says, all this is rubbish and garbage in comparison with knowing Christ. I get chills even saying that because it's so true. I mean, everything that we, we do and everything that we think is important is garbage in comparison to our knowledge of Jesus Christ. I can endure challenge and difficulty and trial because I remain in the vine. The vine, Jesus Christ himself. That's my strength. That's, that's who I want to know. He's who I want to be with. Um, and this is a big, big idea, especially in everything that we're experiencing and seeing others experience um, this year. John 15, verse 11 says, I have told you this, because we're still in John 15. John 15, verse 11 says, after he talks about remaining in the vine, he says, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My, com- my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus continues and he provides a great insight into how this abiding in him or remaining in him is to apply in our daily lives. That there is a joy that is completed in him. And then he gives this command, love each other. He raises the standard of how we are to love one another. Because originally it's love your neighbor as yourself. No, no, no. Love one another as I have loved you. Well, we're not going to all take our cross and die for each other here. But Jesus had not died yet. He's telling his guys. He's like, love like I did. Hey, Matthew, you know how everybody hates you because you're a tax collector? And nobody wants to be your friend, and yet I came to you and was like, come follow me. I got something for you. Love li- Matthew, love people like that. Hey, Nathaniel, remember when you were over there talking bad about my community and my family? Nazareth, what, can come out of Na- what good can come out of Nazareth? Remember that, Nathaniel? And yet I came to you, and I invited you to follow me, and I didn't go off on you for insulting my family and my community, but instead... I invited you to dinner and then to walk with me for the past few years. Love people like that, Nathaniel. Hey, Peter, remember how, uh, how I went to your house and I healed your mother-in-law? She didn't ask to be healed, but I, I went in there and I talked with her and I healed her. And then we had dinner and a feast and it was awesome. Love people like that. Love people like that. Man, if we can get this straight, guys, if we can get this on right, if Christians can start loving as Christ loved, the world can be changed. The world can be changed. Galatians 5, verse 6, for in Christ, Paul says this, for in Christ Jesus, ne- for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself 
through love. Cancel, cancel all the laws. Cancel all these rules that you have to think that you have to obey in order to be a good Christian. Cancel all that. The only thing that counts is your faith and our faith being expressed through love. So I think Jesus would ask us today, why are you so afraid? And I think another question that I want us to wrestle with today is a question that I got from a pastor out in Atlanta, and I've used it in our Long Beach church for many years, and I kind of repeat it over and over down there, so it's kind of become part of our language in Long Beach. And is it simply this, what, what does love require of me? What does love require of me? Not of him, not of her, not of that community or this community or that church, of me. In this conflict, what does love require of me? In this conversation that is somewhat awkward right now, what does love require of me? In this decision of whether I should fill in the blank or whether I should fill in the blank, what does love require of me? Why are you so afraid, Jesus would ask. And then he would remind us that in him there is rest. His grace will motivate us to do great things. That, that, that the best thing we could do with our lives is to know him and have a relationship with him. A church that is embodying the message of the gospel will reflect Christ's love and grace and rest and enjoy his mission and his calling in the midst of uncertainty of the uncertainty of this world and our time. I believe with all my heart, and it may not feel that way at times, but I know it to be true because I see it in Scripture, that the world needs the church more now than ever before. If we, are to, if, if we can be the people that he's called us to be, the world needs the church more than ever before. Remaining, remaining in him coming to him, resting in him, loving like him, wrestling with the questions, why are you so afraid, and what does love require of me? That our circumstances or our relationships would not dictate the level of our faith or our joy. I've been reading this book recently called With, and uh, it's by an author named Sky Jathani. And I'm kind of working through it in my own heart and my own relationship with God. But I'm also learning a lot that I can that we're probably going to be doing in the church here in the future. But he talks about having postures in our relationship with God. That a lot of times our posture towards God is a is a, is a posture of a, a, rela- a life uh, for God or a life under God or a life over God or a life from God, like transactional, you know. And that even good Christian-minded, you know, disciples, we, we have these postures toward God. And so we get upset when we've been faithful to God for 25 years and he still hasn't given us the desire of our heart, for example. These kinds of things. And yet um, uh, his whole point is what we have to understand is that God didn't create us to live under him or over him or for him or, or from him. He created us to live with him in partnership with him, to rule with him, to walk with him, to experience him in communion with him. This is a journey that I'm currently on personally. I'm just kind of being open here and sharing. But um, my prayer for you is that you would strive to understand that. Okay, 
abiding in Christ with Jesus, with God, what is that going to look like for me? And obviously it pours out in, in our love for one another. Uh, my, our family are big uh, Hamilton fans. We love the musical. We love the songs, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? And so my, my kids actually, my, my two oldest daughters, they like know the words to all the songs. And it's actually pretty funny. Um, but one of the quotes in Hamilton, there's a lot of great quotes, but one of the quotes and one of the songs, uh, there's a quote that says, history has its eyes on you. And it's a very powerful quote in the musical talking about kind of the, the trajectory of the decisions that were made in the founding of our nation. Uh, but I think about the church, and I think about 2020, where we're at today, and I believe with all my heart that history will have its eyes on us. What will be said of the church 10 years from now, 25 years from now? Were they afraid in 2020? Or were they faithful in 2020? Did the political spectrum dictate the joy of the Christian in 2020? Did the uncertainty of meeting together dictate the level of their joy? Did they divide based on generational differences or racial tensions? What happened to the church in 2020? My hope is that it would be said of us that as compassion waned, And the racial divide got deeper and deeper and people mistrusted each other and authority and government was corrupt. That there was a people who seemingly had no fear. They were informed but not worried. Responsible but compassionate. Very involved but not divisive. Personal conviction but not judgmental. They were the Christians. And the worse things got, the better they got some were democrats some were republicans some we didn't know where they stood politically and we were better because they were among us as the hebrew writer says in hebrews eleven thirty-eight, and the world was not worthy of them why are you so afraid and what will love require of you Matthew 11, verse 28, I'll close out with this as we're going to say a prayer for as we take our communion this morning. Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This morning, Jesus is calling all of us, come to me. You're weary, you're burdened, you're fearful, come to me. Abide in me. I will give you rest. My yoke is easy. It's light. It's not full of burden. Look to me. Come to me. Follow me. This man who was taking a nap in the middle of a furious storm. This man who did not hide in a cave when he knew that was what was going to happen to him uh, and, and he was going to be crucified. He knew what was going to happen to him. He did not hide out or run away. He walked right into Jerusalem knowing what was going to happen to him. He says to you and me, follow me. Come to me.
And you will experience a life of faith that far outweighs and overwhelms your fear. Let's go to God in prayer as we take our communion this morning. God, thank you so much for this time. I'm so honored and grateful to be able to have this time with the church family here in the west side of Los Angeles. Father, so many great memories, so many great uh, relationships, so many uh, great things that you did in those years that we were here and that you are continuing to do here today. Thank you that we get to be part of a community that is striving to remain in you. God, I pray that our faith would be in Jesus, that our, our remaining, our abiding will be in the vine and not in the branches. Because the branches wither, the branches break off. And we've seen actually many people, Father, leave and, and ignore and, and get away from the church or from you because faith was in the branches and not in the vine. Father, when our faith is in the vine, we can endure difficult conversations, conflicts, challenge, tension. We can endure these things because we know at the end of the day, you are in control. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for being the vine. I pray with all my heart that we would today, as we take communion, as we take the bread that represents the body of Christ, as we take the juice that represents the blood of Christ, Father, that we would consider why are we so afraid? We're following a man who walked right into Jerusalem, fearless, knowing what was going to happen to him. Why are we so afraid? What will love require of us this week? Help us, Father, to see that you loved us. We love others because you first loved us. And love drives out fear. Father, I pray that we would wrestle with these questions this, this morning, that we would learn the secret of being content, that our circumstances and relationships would not dictate the level of our joy, but it would all be determined through our relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.